Please turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse 15. I know we've been in verse 15 for a while, but we've jumped around a bit to other books and not stayed in the book of Revelation the last few years since just before COVID, actually. We've been jumping around a lot, but I keep returning to it as well, uh, and uh, we'll be finished pretty soon. Now, this book is <laughs> mind-boggling. Now, some of you are saying, pretty soon, man, we've been in this for years, you know. But I can show you in the very beginning of the book, it says that Jesus is coming back soon. So, hey. <laughs> but uh, soon for him and soon for us uh, in the world when we don't have a biblical mindset. Uh, the Bible says for the Lord in respect to his coming and winning souls that a day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is as what? A day. A day. So for the Lord, how many days has it been since he said he'd be back soon? Two days, man. Not very long. Amen. Praise God. Revelation chapter 22, verse 15. I do have a really cool surprise at the end of the service, which I, uh, which I think hopefully you'll be blessed by. Verse 15, outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the immoral persons and murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices lying. We've looked at all of these descriptions to one degree or another. Uh, sorcerers there is quite interesting because... Uh, I did a whole study you can get called Drugs and, or, and the New Age Revolution. It's in the front. It's advertised. or it's, You know, you get it for free, but it's shown there. I did that probably 25 years ago or so. I don't remember how long ago. And it really gets into that word pharmacae and so forth and how that relates to today and drugs. And right now, there's even drugs that weren't very popular back then, like ayahuasca and others that people are using to open themselves up to the spiritual world. That's where Megyn Kelly, the popular actress, said that she experienced hell and this, this incredible vision of hell and torment. You think she'd repent at that point, right? Uh, they see dragons, you know, demonic entities. Of course, that's what the Bible talks about. The, the Greek word's pharmakeia there. And, and it's just interesting. Right now, this is so important that we deal with this. And I'm not going to be dealing with this at length today. Uh, I'll tell you why in a moment. Uh, but I want to talk to you about... It a little bit for a few minutes at least before we move on to the next verse uh, because right now today witchcraft wicca is the fastest growing religion in america among young people for sure uh, uh, there's all these different television shows and movies charmed and the witch of this and the witch of that and all these different wizards being glorified and so forth and they're the, they're the, they're the superheroes today in for many people you know and uh that's why and when you look at you know study sociology and why things change around the world. A lot of it's because of the mass advertising through books like Harry Potter and so forth uh, were things that God calls an abomination, just like sexual perversion is an abomination of the Lord, so is witchcraft. There's fantasy books made about these things, and people, oh, well, it's just a fantasy. You know, well, the Bible says we're supposed to love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. Amen? And love our neighbors as ourselves. Amen? And the love, to fear, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Now, if we don't recognize that magic is, open your, that is all about opening yourself up to the demonic world, a world that is anti-Christ, a spiritual realm, if we don't get it, you won't understand how serious this is. Because the Bible says a natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit. So if you just see things in the natural and you don't realize there's a spiritual world, you'll be blinded to spiritual truth and spiritual reality and the importance of spiritual things. The Bible says the cross, what Jesus did in dying for our sins, is foolishness to those who perish. They look at the cross and they just think, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Or it's foolishness or what? What's, well, because they're perishing. And they think they can save themselves or they don't want to turn from their sins. Jesus said those who don't come to him, they love darkness more than light. So if you love darkness more than light, you're not looking for your sins to be forgiven and paid for, to repent and turn to Christ. Amen? So it's important to understand that the world is going to be blind to these things, but Christians ought not be blind to this reality. We're not to be ignorant, it says in 2 Corinthians 2.11. It says they're not ignorant of Satan's devices. But Paul said, you know, have no fellowship with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather what? Expose them, Ephesians 5.11. The other one was 2 Corinthians 2.11 that I quoted. So we're supposed to be very aware of this realm, and we're supposed to guard, guard ourselves every day against it. The Bible says put on the whole armor of God. The full armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the schemes, the methods of the devil. You know? So we, there's schemes of the devil arrayed against us. And Satan uses sorcery and so forth. Uh, it's so important to get this to understand. God, from the moment when he brought them into the land, 
God wiped out the Canaanites. That's a lot of people he wiped out when he brought them into the promised land, when he brought them out of Egypt. You know what warning he gave them when he brought them into the promised land? He's telling them why he's having these people wiped out. They were, having, they were sacrificing their children in the fire, right? They were having sex with animals and their children. And it was like a rabid dog full of rabies that refused to repent. God had given them 400 years to turn to him. And just like he put a rabid dog down, God was putting them down and jettisoning them from the land. But you know, he gave the Israelites the warning that if they did what they're doing, I'm going to punish you too. And he said in Deuteronomy 18, and he lists like nine different occult practices, all of which, by the way, are glorified in the novels, say, for Harry Potter. They made, made it look good. Fine. Okay. Now, if there's not spiritual evil, if there's not demonic entities, then, then, there's, then the God's a liar and you know, the Bible's wrong and everything else. It wouldn't matter, but it is reality. Before I became a Christian, I was so anti-Christ, anti-God, anti-Bible, 15, 16, 17 years old, just before I turned 18. But then I opened myself up to these demonic forces, you know, <laughs> covers being pulled down, turning sideways in my bed. I realized, long story, not giving my testimony right here, but I realized, man, this is real. I've been an idiot. I've opened myself up to these very forces. And then I realized, wow, the God of the Bible is actually the one true God, the God that I mocked. The joke was on me that Satan was playing. And thank God he was merciful. And he gave me salvation. But in Deuteronomy, he warns his people. In Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 12, he says, When thou art come to the land which the Lord thy God should give thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations which the nations do. And the abominations, that, that Hebrew word has to do with that which repulses God. And that's why he punishes it. And he says, There shall not be anyone among you who makes his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, human sacrifice. That's, that's, that's heavy. Or that useth divination, a form of magic, right? He uses divination or uh, uh, a cons- uh, a, an observer of the times. A cons- uh, then he goes on to say, a, uh, an, an, encha- an enchanter or a witch or a charmer or uh, one that consulteth with the dead or a wizard, or a necromancer. Uh, these are all strong warnings. He says, because those who do these things are an abomination to me. That's not the things are an abomination. That person's become an abomination because they've aligned with Satan in his kingdom. He says, and because of these things, the Lord thy God does drive them out from before thee. This is serious stuff, guys. So as Christians, we ought not be reading our fortunes, so-called. They're a joke anyway, you know. And... Uh, I just was walking out of my car and I put my keys in my, I came here and I felt like, and got some pants that were like, I love the clearance section, like $29.99 for this thing, yeah. And I, and I, and I, and I, pulled, I pulled out, I got a few of them because, you know, uh, I pulled out and it looked like a little fortune, but a little smaller. I'm like, what's this doing in my pocket? These are new pants, man. I've only worn them like three times, I think, you know. That's the thing about jeans, you wear them three or four times before you throw them in the so if you're only wearing for a few hours, I pull out a uh, thing. I'm like, what is this? I can barely read it. And these are lucky pants. I'm not advertising them, okay? And it says, make sure today is, you make today lucky and be awesome. And I'm like, okay, this isn't a fortune, but it's just kind of funny. I said, Lord, I pray today that I show that you're awesome, you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> but I thought, it made me think of fortune cookies and how I won't read. I, I don't take fortune cookies and say, Oh, what's my fortune say? I don't read the horoscope. By the way, if you look at the horoscopes and what they say is your sign, even NASA did a whole thing. It's on NASA's website, how whatever sign you think you are, you're not. So it's, you'd feel pretty foolish thinking you're this this whole time and you're not. And, and by the way, when you're being that, these things don't line up anyway. It's just a bunch of gibberish people saying, I think this means this. And they don't say, I think it means this. This is going to happen to you. And they're so general. Of course, a certain amount of people, things are going to happen to you within every so-called sign. We're supposed to... Stay away from the occult. It's very, very subtle. This, that passage I quoted, Deuteronomy 18, is very, very powerful. And Doreen Virtue, Doreen Virtue was the top New Age writer in the world for years. She's written more, got more money, I mean, from her book. She's put out more sales than anybody uh, for a long time. But Doreen was driving down the road, and she was listening to a radio station that a preacher was preaching, and she got convicted, you know, by the Holy Spirit. Because the preacher was warning about those who will tickle people's ears and tell them what they want to hear. And she came home and she told her husband, she goes, 
I, I'm a false teacher. Praise God. People must have been praying for her. Amen. And she's like, I got to turn from doing this, all this new age stuff. And, you know, she was teaching all kinds of things, you know, uh, reading, you know, various books on tarot cards and all, mediums, all that kind of stuff. And then she started going to church, but in the church, they didn't warn against the magic practices that she was into. And then she was going through the Bible and she read Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 12, which I just quoted. And it's just like a knife in her heart. She's like, I got to get right with God in this area. I have to repent of all my stuff. So now she denounces her books more than anybody, her past books. And she's had me on for a few times to interview me, and she interviewed me just a while back. If you go to Doreen Virtue's channel, she's got some really cool uh, things to say. And uh, she interviewed me there about, she called me up and wanted to do an interview on Harry Potter. And I did an interview on Harry Potter. And I point out that J.K. Rowling, who wrote the Harry Potter series, which has sold, by the way, you guys, over not 6 million books, not over 60 million books, which would be amazing, over 600 million books. Huge influence. I mean, there's only like 360 or 70 million people in our country. And, she's out, and that's not counting the TV shows that are brand new that are coming out with right now, the movies that have come out, the video games that are coming out, Harry Potter video, all that stuff. We just did a deal on our podcast on Harry Potter recently for Good Fight Radio. Now... Uh, it's having a huge influence. And when you look at the rise of witchcraft, one of the things that's often cited when those secular journalists are talking about the rise, they talk about uh, pop culture fair, the TV shows and movies and books like Harry Potter. There's no way to justify it. It's encouraging people because people want to be like they're superheroes. And they can't fly like Superman, but guess what? They can get into spells. They can buy a spell book. And when they start seeing, hey, this really... And by the way, I, and I won't get heavily into this because I want to go move on through this chapter more, but it's interesting because uh, I pointed out in our video, I did a whole video expose on Harry Potter you could check out, where J.K. Rowling knows what she's doing. and She takes names of people like Madame Blavatsky, right? And she just scrambles the name Blavatsky, just spells it a little bit differently. And this is a woman who's like a top, wrote the top book for sorcery at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, which is the school they go to. And us people that aren't into magic, we're called muggles. We're like the enemy, you know. We're just ignorant, you know. And we don't know what we're against. Of course, Christ isn't in there. And in my interview with Harry, with, uh, Harry, with Doreen, <laughs> uh, with my interview with Doreen, uh, it was a really good interview, uh, I point out the parallels. Like she uses Blavatsky in that book, right? And Blavatsky, by the way, she, was, she says our Redeemer is Satan in her books, like the secret doctrine. And he bid us to come and partake of the tree of knowledge, good and evil, so we could re re find our divinity, you know? And Christianity is evil in her books, you know? True evangelical Christianity. And she writes a lot about Satan. And her publishing house, which was the Theosophical Society, eventually it was called Lucifer Publishing, Okay. They changed eventually to Lucis Publishing. But when I'm being interviewed, I, I told Doreen, it's kind of interesting, the parallels between Harry Potter and Aleister Crowley. And I don't have time to get into that. You can go listen to that interview. I think I went through some of them in our last podcast that we just did because Chad wanted to do a podcast on Harry Potter and so forth because of the video game and the TV series that just came out. We did that a few weeks ago. You can check that out too. I show all these parallels. The, the number 11, Crowley loved the M-A-G-I-C, and he spelled it with a K at the end because that was his occult or a Kabbalistic number, you know, and 11 was a special number, and he becomes, uh, he, he has a hard time with his mom, and Harry does with his parents, the muggles, and, and then he gets into witchcraft at the age of 11, and Crowley, in, when he was young, became, you know, called, started calling himself the beast, you know, and, uh, and Harry Potter has the lightning bolt symbol. A lot of his fans put the lightning bolt... The Bible speaks of Satan, how he felt, Jesus says, I beheld Satan as a lightning bolt that fell from heaven. It's used a lot in the occult. And he has a symbol that he's had since, I guess, birth or whatever. And Alessia uh, Crowley said he has a, a couple symbols, one being a swastika on him, a, a mark of a swastika. And he said, before Hitler was, I am. That's what Crowley said, okay, in regard to that, that deal. And there's all these parallels where, I'm not saying she did it purposely, because she says these things come to her, like Harry Potter and these, all these characters strolled into her consciousness. And it's like, for her, it was like taking notes because she's channeling demons, okay? And it's, per it's perpetuating these lies among our young people. And you know what? I'm going to be honest with you guys. I love you guys. I know when I speak about these things, people that are into them, sometimes they think about trying to find, maybe find, find another church. 
Or maybe I'll just say some bad things about Job. And, we'll get, and if I bring up things, I'm, and I'm just being honest with you, I'm shooting straight today. I, I speak about things because I love you because I warn you, okay? And I know some people have a hard time with some of the things I say, but I have to say it. I have to say it. So I know sometimes this person will say to that person, and all of a sudden, and I try to live, the, I, I've been a pastor for a long time, and by the grace of God, man, I've kept my face on the ground before the Lord in prayer, haven't committed adultery. I walk strong in the Lord by His grace, through prayer, only by His grace, for all these years, but I'll still get attacked. And they can't find things, so it's like, sometimes somebody might say this or that, and I'm saying this because it breaks my heart, because some of you people could get polluted by someone else who's upset with me because I warned about be careful with what kind of music you listen to. We don't discipline you if you listen to music that I might disagree with. We don't say, oh, it's church. But I say, be careful. Or because I warn these things, all of a sudden I'm a bad guy. Paul said, if I become your enemy because I've told you the truth? I'm only mentioning Harry Potter and I do that because guess what? God's, I'm concerned. The Bible says those who are in the sorcery will go to the lake of fire. I'd rather somebody be mad at me because they don't want to repent or turn from something then have God upset with me because I claim to be a pastor and I don't preach the convictions that he puts on my heart by Holy Scripture and by the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and speak the truth. And I know they came against God's people like over and over again. They'll come against you at times, people, when you take a stand for truth. You know? God said, Moses, they're not speaking against you, they're speaking against me. Okay? And so I just stand up for Jesus no matter what. And guess what? Praise God. Like Chad said, our fellowship is affecting millions of people. So if a few people have a hard time and, and leave because I spoke about Harry Potter, not that that's happened, okay? I don't know, you know? I have to speak the truth. And I just let one of you know my heart. I love you guys. And I'd hate for some young people because it's far more powerful than you think. I mean, I'm telling you right now, if young people are reading Harry Potter series or they're watching the Harry Potter TV shows and then they come to Sunday school at church, who do you think they're going to be more excited about, possibly? And who do you think they're going to want to relate to? And Especially something that's skillfully written by demonic entities who've channeled J.K. Rowling. And I don't want your children to have any rival thrones. I love you guys. And then if you disagree with me, just love me back. Say, I just, you know, I just disagree with Joe. I love Harry Potter. Well, sorry, you know. Love Jesus more than Harry Potter. The more you love Jesus, the less you'll love Harry Potter. How many believe that's true? Amen? Amen. Praise God. So you're not all leaving because I mentioned Harry. Okay, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> uh, what do you do if you got a bunch of books that glorify the occult? Well, Acts 19.19, 19, the church at Ephesus got converted. And look what they did. A large number of those who had been practicing magic took all of their books and scrolls of spells and incantations and publicly burned them when the value of all the books and scrolls was calculated. It all came to several million dollars. They didn't say, man, these books are so expensive. Or they didn't even say, you know what? I can, I can make some money off these. I'm going to get rid of them because I want to serve the Lord, but I'm going to make some money off them. Set, put them on, on you know eBay or something, you know? They didn't do that, you know? And I've had many people, they say, man, Joe, I saw your presentation. They sold their souls for rock and roll. Over the years, over and over this happens. And, I, I, and they say, you know what? And I thought, man, I got a lot of the music he was exposing. And I realize it's satanic now. And they'll be like, and pushing occult themes and so forth. And they'll say, you know what? I was going to sell it. But I decided to just destroy it. I just broke it all up, you know? Don't burn your vinyl, okay? That'll pollute the pollute the atmosphere a bit, but crush it, okay? If it's books, hey, that makes really good, you know, good, good, good fire. Uh, so this is serious stuff, man. And I've got to speak according to the Word of God, right? And, and I praise God that this fellowship attracts people that love the Lord. And by the way, you're going to run into people that don't have the same exact convictions because they don't have the same knowledge you have. They don't have a pastor that's done a whole video exposing Harry Potter. You're going to run into churches where they don't have those convictions. Don't write them off as lesser Christians than yourself. Don't, don't say, oh, man, I'm more holy than that person. I can't believe. You can, yeah, be, be sad that someone doesn't know something, but still love them, amen? amen? If they're trusting Jesus and they fear the Lord and they love him, amen, they're our brothers and sisters in Christ. So we have to be careful because sometimes you'll take information I give and you've got to make sure you don't get a haughty attitude about the information you have. Bible says what? The Bible is really clear. I love it. I quote it all the time. Paul says, you know, 
you know, he says, it's by the grace of God, go I. And then he says, anything that we know was given to us by God. Amen? It's all a gift from the Lord. Amen? So we have to be humble about what we know and just be thankful. Amen? And want our brothers and sisters in Christ to know the same, reality, same truth. Amen? So they could be set free. We've got to love people and, and love people no matter where they're at. Amen? And, and, have, and be humble and just joyful among them and just say, hey, this is my conviction. And your example, people will say, wow, you just, well, why, do you, why do you believe this? Well, the scripture here in Acts 19, 19, it says this, you know. And because it says this, I want to walk according to the word of God, you know. And I encourage you to do the same, you know. You could do it humbly, right? So uh, I wanted to do a couple messages, one or two, on sorcery. When I hit this verse, but I don't want to continue. But then it turned into a little mini series of like three messages. And I'm like, man, if I do three messages on sorcery, it's going to bog down trying to get through the book of Revelation. So I'm going to do that little mini series sometime after the book of Revelation on sorcery, where we'll get into pharmacia. I mean, we won't get into it, we'll expose it, okay? Uh, <laughs> and, we'll, and, and, we'll, and we'll get it more into what's going on in popular culture and witchcraft that is, you wouldn't believe it, in the church right now all over in a lot of churches, talking about things that people are practicing. So we'll get into that another time. Let's go to verse 16 and move on. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. Notice who the book of Revelation is written to. It's written to who? The churches. And then in Revelation 1.4, it says, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth. It's beautiful. It's the introduction. The introduction is to the churches. Like bookends, now the conclusion of the book, now we're at the concluding remarks of the book, is to the churches. Why is that important? Well, yeah, Joe, I see that. It's obvious. It's clear. Why, why are you making such a point of this? Man, these, all these words are important because right now we're told the book of Revelation is not really for the church. Church isn't going to be here during the tribulation period. Don't worry. You know, we're going to be raptured before the tribulation starts and kind of watch things while we have a party in heaven and, and have the wedding supper of the Lamb and just watch everybody get tortured and the Jews get tortured even worse than what happened to the Nazis while we're having a big party. Does the Bible say that? It doesn't actually teach that. This is addressed to the churches. And this is very, very important to understand. In fact, I'll get back to that verse. I'll bring it up again as we move on, and you'll see why it's so important that we understand this is to us. So we're prepared to suffer if this time, if this should take place in our lifetimes. Amen? Now, uh, let's go to verse 16b. I am the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. Jesus is the root and the descendant of Jesus, or of David, I'm sorry. That's amazing. Now think about that. He's the root. Some understand that means David came from him. Some understand he's a root that came from him, just as he's the descendant of David. It's hard to be precise with the language there. But he's also, but he is a root of David in that sense, right? Because he made David. He made everything, right? Revelation chapter, I'm sorry, John chapter 1, 1 through 3, Jesus created everything. Nothing came to be but by him. So he's the root of everything. But he's also the descendant of King David, amen? And that was a prophecy of the 12 tribes, the tribe of Judah. The Messiah would come from the tribe of Judah, amen? The king, Judah was the, 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 the kingly tribe, amen? David was from the tribe of Judah. He was a king. His descendant would be a king, amen? And on his cross in three languages, it said king of the... Jews, amen. In Revelation 19, 19 uh, Revelation chapter 19, 11 through 21, Jesus is called the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. amen. So he is the descendant of David. That's, that's why anybody trying to claim to be the Messiah right now can't be for several reasons. First of all, Jesus already came. Amen. amen. And you'd have to be a descendant of Jesus. Amen. And many believe a Jewish man that just died year, you know, some years ago, we had to deal with some of his followers, you know, in the past. Uh, when we're in Israel, we're actually doing a little expose on him in front of a lot of people still follow him. He died years ago. They've been waiting for him to resurrect. For, they'd have somebody on a phone waiting for him to get out of his grave. It just never happened, you know. But the dude was born in New York. He wasn't even born in Bethlehem, you know. He never even went to Israel. He's Jewish, but he never went to Israel. 
But you're going to reject the, the clear teachings of Scripture, who the Messiah is, and just go for one where it doesn't fit the bill? Doesn't make any sense. He is the descendant of David, King David, that is. And, and by the way, he's the bright morning star. Amen? And I think that is so beautiful. That's so powerful. He's the bright morning star. Okay? You could look at the bright morning star as the first star that you see in the morning. as a picture of him. Or you could look at the sun. I think that very well may be the, that's the picture of him because the sun, S-U-N, uh, the Messiah is also called the sun of righteousness, S-U-N. The sun depicts him. And there's a morning star. With the morning star that first comes out, it's not really bright. The sun is a star. And it is a, the bright morning star, amen? <sighs> when it comes up and it just gives light to the dark world. And I love that because you see the scriptures say in Matthew chapter 24, verse 29, says immediately after the tribulation of those days, okay, what's going to be like right before Jesus? Jesus comes immediately after tribulation. It says that he'll come with his might. It says he'll come and he'll gather up his elect from the four winds of heaven from one end to the other. Amen. There'll be the sound of a great trumpet and all that. But it says immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the luminaries, the stars will fall from heaven. There's no light. It's, it's, it's not just dark out. It's pitch dark. Now think about the setting right there, right? And it's interesting because in the scripture, I think this is really interesting. If you study the book of Exodus and the plagues and what happens there, and then you study what happens in the book of Revelation, the plagues happened under Pharaoh. Pharaoh was a picture of the Antichrist. Janice and Jambres were a picture of the false prophet, okay? The judgments that came upon Israel, or, I'm sorry, Egypt, were a picture of the judgments that would come in the book of Revelation, Right? And there you had Moses and Aaron testifying, right? There'll be two witnesses during the tribulation period. It says God gave the, the, his people wings like eagles and they went to the Red Sea. Remember that? Well, guess what? In Revelation 12, it says he'll give the woman wings like eagles and they'll flee to the wilderness. The parallels are just amazing. And one thing you see in Revelation is the, the land became, or in, in Egypt, I'm sorry, in Exodus, the land becomes incredibly dark. Well, that's what happens in the book of Revelation. And we read in Exodus chapter 10, verse 21, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, and there will be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness that can be felt. That's a darkness that can be felt. Yeah. Listen to Revelation chapter 16. Uh, in fact, you can go there since we're right there in Revelation anyway. Go to Revelation chapter 16, verse 10. You see the fifth uh, bowl being poured out. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became darkened, and they gnawed their tongues because of what? Because of pain. That sounds like a darkness that could be felt, doesn't it? And not just felt, but painful. And the context there is also people get these sores in their hands because they've taken the mark of the beast. And this, these lithium batteries or whatever they're energizing these or whatever this biotech they're using wasn't meant to be in there to buy or sell, and we're headed toward that globalism right now, guys. And they want to they consolidate the banks. Have you been watching the news in the last month or two? They want to you know, get all the banks as one. Then it's a lot easier to just punish you. And, and then in the end, you know, there'll be a mark that people, either the name of the beast or the number of his name, and no one could take. The Bible says no one could buy or sell unless he takes the, the, the mark of the beast, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name, which is 666. So this is, this is interesting. In Zechariah chapter 14, 6, when it talks about the Lord's coming, it says, In that day there will be no light. The luminaries will be dwindle, for it will be a unique day which is known to the Lord. Amen? But guess what? When it's pitch dark and people are freaking out, and it says the hearts of many will fail them for fear of things that are coming on the earth because all these judgments have been coming the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, the bowl judgments. And the greatest is yet to come, and that's the second coming of our Lord. Listen to what it says. I think this is just fascinating. Jesus said when he comes back in Matthew 24, it won't be in secret. He said it'll be like lightning, right? It'll be like lightning shining from the east, right? From the east to the west. <laughs> And why from the east to the west? Why is there a movement of this lightning? Because if you look at Jesus, the course he takes at his return, he, he, he moves through the sky. And 
there'll be night on one side and day on the other side as far as time goes. It'll just be perfect, pitch dark. Okay? I mean, there'll be one side of the earth and both sides of the earth will be pitch dark, though. It'll only be night. You know? Now, people still have to sleep, right? And people still have to work. So when he comes back, he said, two people be lying in bed. One will be taken, one will be left. Because they'll be sleeping still. On the other side of the earth, it says, two people be working in a field. They can't see, but they got to get food, right? One will be taken, one will be left. It's kind of interesting, huh? And listen to 2 Peter 1, 19. So we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. Man, Jesus is coming back. He's a bright morning star. And we need to look at the prophetic word that leads up to his coming and make sure we're paying attention. Because a lot of the professing church will be asleep. Remember the, the bridesmaids? Remember that? How many of them, what percentage of them fell asleep? They all woke, they all fell asleep. What percentage of them woke up and didn't have any oil in their lamps that was too late? Half of them. Does that denote half of professing Christians? Even more than that, I think, because a lot of professing Christians never had oil in the first place. These are those who had oil, and then the oil runs out. And then there's the midnight call, the bridegroom cometh. Behold, the bridegroom, the bridegroom cometh, right? And that's exciting. Jesus said, well, Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that the Lord Jesus Christ will be revealed from heaven. He says, rest with us when the Lord Jesus Christ, this is when we get our rest at a second coming, not seven years earlier, in a pre-trib rapture. He says, rest with us. When do we get our rest, Paul? When the Lord Jesus Christ comes with his mighty angels in flaming fire. That's why it's so bright. And because Jesus, his face shines like the sun in the noonday, it says. And he'll come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? That's powerful. That's why Jesus said in Luke 12, 35, be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps lit. Keep your lamps lit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Keep your lamps lit. May the oil, the Holy Spirit, fill your life. Amen? Because guess what? If you say, man, you know what? I don't want to live a holy life. I just call myself a Christian and say I'm a Christian, but I'll live a wicked life and you know, go out and start partying and get drunk and all that. Well, listen to what Jesus went on to say after he said that. In Luke 12, verse 43, he goes on to say, Blessed is the slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Doing what? He said, it talks about giving out God's food, his meat in due season. Sharing the word of God, you're blessed when he comes. That servant's blessed. But he says, truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. Because we're heirs of his. Amen. Then he says, but, verse 45, but if that slave, that same slave, because he's addressing believers only here. How do I know that? Because it says little flock. He's talking to the sheep. It's your father's will to give you the kingdom. Amen. They have a relationship with the father. Amen. He says, keep your lamps lit. He's talking about those who, he doesn't say, make sure your lamps were lit in the first place and you were truly saved. No, he doesn't say that. He says, keep your lamps lit. I mean, they're lit. Keep them lit now. And he says, if you don't, right, if you're giving out meat in due season, that's awesome. You'll be blessed. Put you in charge of all his possessions. But if that servant, he says, if that slave or that servant, that same servant whose lamp is lit, who's part of the flock, who has a relationship with the father, if that slave says in his heart, my master has been a long time in coming, and begins to beat the slaves, becomes violent, cantankerous, mean-spirited, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. He's like just living for himself, you know. Getting drunk. The master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. That's not just a loss of rewards, guys. He's put with the unbelievers. And he's cutting pieces, man. That's radical. Not in half, in pieces in the Greek. And put with the unbelievers. Where's the, where do the unbelievers go? Revelation 21.8. But the unbelieving, right? The cowardly, the, the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, right? Idolaters, all liars, they're parts in the lake of fire. That's, that's powerful. Now let's go to Revelation 22.17. The spirit and the bride say come. The Spirit refers to who? The Holy Spirit. Amen. And the bride, who's the bride referred to? Church. The church. Amen. Church. Well, it was Jesus, and this, we're the bride. Amen. We're the bride of Christ. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Amen. The bride is dependent upon the power of the Spirit. 
And when we're in the Spirit and living the way God calls us to do, we speak the words that are encouraged and inspired by the Holy Spirit. We speak God's Word, amen, the Word of God from the Bible. And God gives us unction. He gives us empowerment. He uses us. The Spirit and the bride say, what did, what did we say? What does the Spirit say and what did the bride say with Him? Come, we invite people. Come, and let the one who hears say come. Are you hearing me today? You're supposed to be saying come. Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Hey, if you're thirsty, man, and you have not received Jesus Christ yet, you have not drinking of the water of life yet, man, it's time for you to come. It's time for you to come to the water. Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. Now, come on. That's a great deal. Let the one who wishes, whoever wills, whoever wants you, you get to take the water of life without cost. I can tell you right now, guys, if I could prove to you, and you knew Joe's telling the truth, and there was, I had a $10 million lottery winning check that was sent to me. At least I didn't know you played the lottery. I didn't want to tell you, but I couldn't keep this secret. Look, Joe, $10 million. Or no, it's like, let's not, not make my wife on the wrong side of that. Not that that's a wrong side, you know. So the Bible doesn't say you can't play the lottery, but the Bible does say be careful with your money, right? Be a wise steward with your money, right? So don't just go spend all your money on the lottery. But, so I say to my wife, well, I couldn't keep it down, Lisa. I, I won $10 million, you know. It's like the guy that skipped church out, the pastor skipped church, you know. I've heard this joke a, a bunch of times over and over again. Mark Hunter uh, sent it to me and, uh, just a few days ago. <laughs> uh, uh, it's a pretty funny joke. And I'm not going to go through it because it's too long. I'm going to get through more scriptures. But uh, the, the, he, the pastor's like, I'm going to play hooky today and say I'm sick. And he goes golfing all by himself. And then he hits a long drive. And he can't believe the wind takes his ball. Wait, he, he, he's not the best driver. It takes it three times further than he's ever hit it before. And he's watching. He's looking. He has to run up a hill. And he catches the end of it, a little knoll. I know, I'm embellishing and now making it longer than even it is. And then he sees it go into this hole, hole in one. He starts getting all excited. He's so happy. Like, I can't believe it. And then an angel says, Lord, why did you let that happen? Why you, in fact, it looked like you might even cause it to happen. He goes, because he can't tell anyone. You know? <laughs> uh, so, uh, and it's, if the thing is, if I had a, $10 million. Why didn't I even say that? Oh, because if I you know, won the lottery, $10 million here, right? And, uh, and I couldn't tell anybody. I can tell you, baby. You know, not that it'd be a sin to play the lottery. I'm just saying. And then it's $10 million bucks. It's like, wow. And I said, you know what, guys? I don't care who gets it, but I have it here. And you know, I broke it into 10 checks. I cashed it, and then I broke it into 10 checks. And now there's 10 checks, a million bucks each, right? And I'm just going to throw them up left and right and walk out. And church is over. And whoever gets them, gets them. And you can be blessed. I can tell you right now, a lot of you would be not looking so Christian. You know? You'd be like, man, I can't believe it, man. The guy that just had the cancer surgeries in the front, Mark's in the front, and I'm way back here. I think some of you, even you older folks, if you have crutches and you're really old, you know, I think maybe you're using your crutch with the guy in front of you just to get over him, to get up here, you know. I don't know, you know. But guess what? You would, a lot of people want that money, a million bucks, wow. But you know what? That many bucks will come and go. You know, so many people that won the lottery, their lives were ruined after that. I've shown that. I've shown the quotes for people who ruined their lives. Not that your life has to be ruined. You can use it for God's glory. I'm not saying that's inevitable. But guess what? People do all kinds of things for something that's just temporary. This life is like a vapor. You're not going to have it very long. But why? But, and you know how much money people spend on this, that, or the other? All the time. Millions and millions of dollars. People are spending money like crazy. And it's not making them truly happy. Only the Lord makes it true life. The crazy thing, my point is, is that you're to come to the living water and it's without cost. It's free. Eternal life is free. That money will be gone. Your time will be gone. Then you'll be standing before God. If you don't know Jesus, you'll be separated from it. It says forever. But man, you can know God forever and it's free through what Christ did for you on the cross. By becoming a Christian, by following Jesus, putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the, that's the ultimate deal. And it's free. It's out cost. And it's the, take, come to the water. Wow, what water? Look at Revelation 22, verse 1. Just back up the context. Then he showed me a river of what? The water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It's the, it's the water that exudes from Jesus. Right now, we have the water of His Spirit. Amen? And He fills us with His love. And the fruit of His Spirit is love and peace and joy and so forth. But we also partake of the eternal 
water that comes from his throne. Amen. Which I believe will be literal water and the, 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 the presence of his spirit in fullness that we've never yet known. And the tree of life will be on both sides of the river. That's because that's what the water does. And we'll be bearing fruit for eternity. Don't pass up this deal, man. You know what? Would it be a bummer? You'd be you'd like, you know, I'm not going to run up and get that million dollars. Shame on those who are trampling each other. I wish I would have got it, but shame on those guys. You know how we are, right? I'm not going to be like that. And then you find out they all went up there, but only nine people went up. And you're like, someone tells you, do you know there's a million bucks stayed up there for like a day and a half and they shut the doors, they didn't know it? Only nine people went up. You'd be kind of like, you know what? Wow, I could have just waited and just walked up nicely and got one. Right? Well, that would be a bummer. You're like, man, I could have that many bucks. Well, guess what? How many of you, hopefully none of you, but how many people are going to say, I could have had eternal life, man? I heard the message. I knew deep down I was a sinner. I wasn't perfect. I knew I needed forgiveness. I saw that the joy and the love these Christians had, and it's so different than the world. And, and I didn't, didn't come. I didn't go. And the Bible says they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. People weep and they'll be gnashing of teeth. They'll be so upset that they rejected the gospel. Don't reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Embrace Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And by the way, we need to tell people to come. Amen? That's our job. I try to remind you over and over again, the reason we're one of the reasons we're still here is to share the gospel, right? The NFL draft just happened, you know? And uh, I heard a couple people when I was back there just kind of scribbling under my notes, getting ready to come up, talking about the draft and who they got and stuff. And a lot of millions and millions of football fans that, you know, you look forward for your team getting a really good player and hopefully they'll be better and they'll finally make the playoffs or finally get to the Super Bowl or finally win the Super Bowl or whatever because you draft college players at this time. Some people are just bored stiff when you talk about football, like, say, Mark over there, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, being a diehard Dolphin fan since I was a little, little boy, they won the Super Bowl 72-73, back-to-back, only undefeated team ever, but they never won since, you know. But I'm a loyal kind of guy, man. That's my wife, you know. Stick to my, stick to my, 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 my brothers and sisters and my team, whatever. And, uh, and they were about to get Brady. I go, if they get Brady, I'm no longer going to be rooting for the Dolphins because he says he practices witchcraft and gazelles let him into it. And that's why he won his last couple of Super Bowls. So I'm like, okay. Um, okay, Harry. Tom Harry. Tom Brady. Okay. Uh, and they're talking about getting, they were talking about, he's saying he wants to come to the Dolphins and, and recently. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to check out and root for another team until he's really retired when he's 67 or something, you know. Anyway, uh, the coach of the Dolphins, McDaniels, he's got a really funny sense of humor. He seems like a neat guy. I don't know uh, who he is deep down, but uh, he's a quirky kind of guy. And, a lot of the, and, and he said he couldn't wait to get this one player. He didn't think he'd fall to him at the end of the third round, but he did. And he said he was so excited about him. He goes, I was so excited about him. I wanted to talk about him to people, but I'm proud of myself. I didn't tell anybody my secret that I wanted this guy, and they got him. He goes, I didn't tell anybody my secret. But I had to tell somebody, so I kept talking to myself while I was driving the car, you know? Uh, that was pretty funny. But I thought, you know what? That's how we're not supposed to be as Christians with regard to Jesus, amen? Right. We didn't get drafted. We got saved, amen? amen? And we're supposed to shout his name from the housetops. And I love the song you guys did, Gerald, you know? Shout, right? Scream his name, man. We're supposed to be lifting up the name of Jesus. And when you are spirit-filled and you know the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives in you if you're a Christian, but being filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to want to talk about Jesus. A guy meets a gal and he falls in love or she falls in love with him. They talk about their, they talk about them. Oh, I've, I've been seeing this. You know, they get excited, right? Well, how much more should we be excited about Jesus who saved our souls from hell, who gave himself on the cross? You might say, wow, my new boyfriend, he actually brought me flowers. He actually drove all the way out to work and spent, I'm sure he spent 85 bucks on these. Can you believe it? Well, guess what Jesus did for you? <laughs> Amen. He's the ultimate husband. We're his bride, okay? And, and we should be lifting up his name and sharing it and inviting people to come and receive eternal life. And we need to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 16, 7, but I tell you the truth to his disciples right before he died, not long before he died, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And, he, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Holy Spirit will come and help us. Help us do what? Fulfill the Great Commission. He'll re, he re, they were already born again. They were already regenerated. Because Jesus, I shouldn't say that. 
They were already regenerated before the day of Pentecost, which comes a little bit later. Because when Jesus rises from the dead, he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. They receive the Holy Spirit. But on the day of Pentecost, they're given power. Now, why did the Holy Spirit give them power on the day of Pentecost? Do you remember? So they could be his what? His witnesses. God gives you the Holy Spirit. Not only so you're, you're born again, you're a child of God, amen, as a pledge of the coming inheritance, as the scriptures also say. But listen to what Jesus said before the day of Pentecost in Luke chapter 24. He gave them the great commission in Luke 24, 47. It says, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed or preached in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, Jesus says, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until, listen to this, you're to stay in the city, Jerusalem, until you are clothed with power from on high. We don't need occult power. We don't want the devil's power. That just does you in, man. Even Nostradamus, Nostradamus warned his son. We have his letter. You can Google Nostradamus' letter to his son, and you'll see that Nostradamus warns his son not to follow in his footsteps and practice sorcery because it will bring him eternal perdition. That's in a letter that's online. Okay, it's not even a disputed letter. It's he wrote to his son, if you practice, follow my footsteps, practice sorcery, you'll enter perdition, Nostradamus said. We don't want the devil's power, man. We want God's power. But people want the devil's power because they feel they could do their own thing. Be a famous musician or whatever. But their life is short, as I mentioned. We want to use God's power because God wants his power to empower us, his Holy Spirit. But when we, we use his power, we his, seek his will. And it's his will to win the lost, amen? And God wants to give you power to win the lost. Amen. His eyes go to and fro throughout the earth looking for those he can strengthen, amen? amen. That's, Jesus says the Father seeks those who would worship him in spirit and truth, amen? amen? He seeks you out. He wants to use you. Moses I can't talk, Moses said. I can, I, you know, a lot of people thought he stuttered. He goes, I can't talk. The Lord said, I'll be with your mouth, Moses. Amen. And the Lord will be with your mouth. Amen. Yes. He'll use you. Just say, God, Lord, use me. Fill me with your spirit. And in Acts 1.8, on the day of Pentecost, just before it happened now, Jesus says, but you will receive power, dunamis, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. And guess what? This prophecy is being fulfilled. The, the gospel has gone all over the earth more than any other message, just like Jesus foretold. Amen? We need to depend. We can't do anything for the Lord God. Absolutely nothing unless we have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it's so important. Otherwise, we're like a, a, a sea, you know, a, a ship at sea with a sail without any wind, you know? Or we're like uh, lamps without oil. Or we're like cars without gas. Or electricity, if you have a Tesla, okay? We're just powerless without the Lord. And we need to rely on His power. Amen? And it's imperative that we recognize when we keep our, to keep our lamps lit, which we're called to keep them lit, so they're, they're, is your lamp lit, man? If Jesus comes back, are you one where he sees his lamp's lit? He has the Holy Spirit. She has the Holy Spirit that's shining. They're shining. The Holy Spirit's shining through them who's a person. He's shining through them. Is that, is that happening with you? It's so important. Dr. Paul Brand, I've quoted him before. He wrote a book, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. He's a, a, a medical doctor, and he did a lot of cutting research on leprosy. He's the one that found out that lepers who were losing their digits, it wasn't because they were just falling off, but because their fingers became numb and rats were eating them. And they just couldn't feel what happened to their digits. And he did a lot of cutting research and really fascinating book he wrote. And, uh, but it's interesting, he was preaching one time at a medical college and he mentioned Matthew 5.16 and he quoted Jesus, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And he's in front of the lectern, and there's an oil lamp there because he's in India at this medical college in India. As he's preaching the word, uh, the lamp goes out. And there's just the wick. It has no oil. So it's just burned. The wick's just burning. It's becoming all smoky. And he starts really just coughing and coughing. And it's interesting because as he coughed, he used it as an opportunity. And he said this to the folks listening. Some of us here are like this wick, he said. We're trying to shine for the glory of God, but we stink. That's what happens when we use ourselves as the fuel of our witness rather than relying on the Holy Spirit. He said wicks can last indefinitely, 
burning brightly and without irritating smoke if the fuel, the Holy Spirit, is in constant supply. It's imperative that we rely on God's Spirit. I used to love what Walter Martin, when he was alive, Dr. Walter Martin, he was the old Bible, Walter, Bible man. Remember him? Uh, and we have him on Good Fight Radio. We have 24-7 radio with all kinds of great teachers on there. And Walter Martin's one of them. So I encourage you to check out Good Fight Radio. Just go to Good Fight Radio. And you'll find it. And you can listen to Christian radio that's got driving down the road. You're like, you're like wow, I didn't realize there's so many solid teachers on one station. I think we have the best station on earth personally because of all the solid teaching. And uh, anyway, uh, Walter Martin's on there, by the way. And Dr. Walter Martin, he used to say, Christians are like leaky buckets. We need to be refilled over and over again. And that's why, man, it's important to be in fellowship with one another. Here you are today. That's great. We have a midweek. Wednesday nights are awesome. We have a great time going through the Word. We're just starting 1 Timothy chapter 4 uh, this week, Lord willing. Uh, we're moving through way faster than we move through the book of Revelation. Uh, now, it's interesting because I love it because, well, how do I stay filled with the Holy Spirit? You pray. You seek the Lord. Jude says, building yourself up in your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit and keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting actually for the, for the uh, mercy of God to be revealed, right? So we keep ourselves in the love of God by praying and, and praying in the Holy Spirit, he says. And then when Paul delineates the seven pieces of armor that we're supposed to put on, the last piece he says is, the, is all prayer. We're supposed to put on all prayer. We're supposed to be praying. So you have, you have power over the devil. I mean, you don't have to freak out over the devil if you're in Christ and you're trusting Jesus because they, he has to freak out over you. That's why he tries to get you to turn away from Christ through temptation and through false doctrine. Do you understand that? And because the Bible says that the demons fear and tremble. Amen. But you have to be in prayer. You have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's why we're told in Ephesians 5, with all prayer, that last piece of armor, he says, praying at all times, at all times, just throughout the day, continue praying at night when you wake up. Lord, pray, just fall back to sleep praying. Amen. You know? Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication for all the saints. That's Ephesians 6.18. With this in view, with all prayer and perseverance. He says, be on the alert with all prayer and perseverance. Making intercession for all the saints. We're supposed to be praying for each other all the time. Please pray for your church. Make that part of your prayer life. If you just pray for your mom or your, or your, your sibling or, or your child or your close brother or your spouse, that's, that's good that you're praying for them. But pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Say, Lord, bless Blessed Hope Chapel. How, that's hard, Joe. Was it that hard? Bless Blessed Hope Chapel. Wow, that wasn't very hard at all, was it? The enemy wants you to think it's hard. It's not. And I pray often, my wife prays with me, and I'll pray, Lord, bless my brothers and sisters in Christ and blessed hope. I'll say, bless the blessed hopes that we're connected to. And I'll say, bless the churches in Simi Valley, those who know you and love you. Bless my brothers and sisters in Christ and see me. And I'll say, bless all my brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the world. That was more, though, Joe. Yeah, that was only 12, 15 seconds, though. It's not that hard. And just pray for everybody, amen? Pray for your brothers. When you see someone's going through something, Andre, Father, we pray for Andre and his wife and, and their new baby that you would keep them and, and, and protect them and help that little baby get through the, 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 the situation that baby's facing. We pray for all of our children and all of the babies in this fellowship and all the pregnant women in Jesus' name, amen. It's so easy. Just, you just pray. Be a person of prayer. And that's how you stay filled with the Holy Spirit, amen? Yeah. Praise God. Now, uh, Revelation chapter 22, verse 18. Well, I have to read this verse, though. Let's listen to what after the apostles prayed. They got filled with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, but a little bit later, after a couple sermons, sermon 2, sermon, first sermon, Acts 2, second sermon, Acts 3, church is growing, they pray. Listen to what it says in Acts 4.31, the apostles. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. And I love that because when Paul says to pray for him, he says that I may have boldness. So guess what? The Holy Spirit wants to speak through us. He longs to speak through you. He does. If you're a Christian, he wants to speak through you. But guess what? Like Moses, I don't know. But you start praying, and then they, they prayed. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they spoke the Word of God with boldness. That's connected to the Holy Spirit. Then be filled with the Holy Spirit and their prayers. If you don't pray a lot, you won't be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? And stay in the Word, of course, because the Word is God speaking back to you through his word, amen? And God gives you understanding of his word. Revelation uh, twenty two eighteen. 18. 
I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. Wow. Hell's going to be bad enough for the wicked, but can you imagine having these plagues added to your punishment in hell? Wow. That's amazing. You're not supposed to add to this book. That's talking about the book of Revelation. You're not supposed to add to the Bible at all. Because look what it says in Deuteronomy 4.2. Do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it. But keep the commands of the Lord, your God, that I, that I give you. This is in Proverbs chapter 30, verses 5 and 6. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. It's got to be really careful, guys. Don't add to his word. You start adding to his word, man. I was just reading through Judges just not too long ago, and I'm reading through Gideon's life, and I'm like, man, it's so crazy because he had such a good start. He did so many wonderful things for the Lord. You got his, read Judges. This is an amazing book, man. And I'm reading through Judges, and I'm like, man, praise God. Look how God's using Gideon, you know, with Midianites and others. He just, and not getting help from Ephraim at first, and all this stuff. I'm like, it's just gnarly what he did. And I don't have time to recount everything he did. But what's heartbreaking is as he gets these great victories, he goes back home. What does he do? Do you remember what he made? He gets all these gold earrings from his warriors, from the plunder that the warriors, they, he said, all oh, you guys give me at least one gold, give me one gold earring. And he makes this huge ephod. And ephod was a replica of the high priest attire. And presumably he made it out of gold. And that's powerful because this, it seems like it represents God. And for him, it probably did. He probably, in his mind, like, this is great because, but he was having a hard time with the Ephraimites, remember, because they wouldn't help him go to war. So guess what? He's in the, 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 the tabernacles in Shiloh. He's like, you know what? We can worship right here. God used me after all. And that's probably, might be what's going through his head. We don't know exactly why he did it, but that makes some sense. It's a possibility. And best possibility I can think of. And then all of a sudden, they're like, wow, we've got this ephod here made of gold. It's the replica of the, holy, the high priest's attire. Represents Yahweh, but guess what people started doing? Worshipping it. And they got used to worshipping something that wasn't Yahweh, and then they turned to worship Baal, and God had to judge them. And guess what? Gideon was doing so good, but he just added a little bit to the Word of God. Oh, you know what? I'll just make this a, a, a place of worship. This, I'm going to honor God this way. And you get one degree off. I remember, remember, you guys remember McDonald? He was a congressman and with 268 other people. He was killed because the 747 he was on went into Soviet airspace. The Russians shot him down, fired two missiles at him at, at that plane. He was the most anti-communist congressman in Congress at the time, by far. And it, but it doesn't seem like it was. It just, they just floated in to that airspace. And the 269, counting himself, 269 people were killed. And it took several minutes for them. At first, it, was, it rips through the, the, the 747. All the oxygen goes out. Some people are probably waking up, hearing this. Some people are killed instantly. But other people, because this thing careened and did spirals for about 15 minutes before it hit the sea. And a lot of other people are getting oxygen, and they're spinning, waking up, getting oxygen. Boom, they're gone. But you know what? They were way out of their airspace, but guess what? They floated into, or I should say flew into Soviet airspace, but they were only one degree off. But one degree after hours and hours puts you hundreds of miles off course. Don't think you could add or take away to God's word and say, well, I know God says this, but I'm just, I don't agree with that, God. Or you know what, God, I, you know, I think it's okay for me to be involved in witchcraft. I don't care what your word says. You're just going to have to accept me as I am. Well, then you're playing God. You're not God. He's the one that makes the rules up, not you. Amen. We have to put him first. So be very, very careful not to add or take away to his word. In Joseph, in Genesis, what if I told you guys, hey, man, all of a sudden you found out, man, Pastor Joe, he has 22 wives. Did you know that? No. I'm like, that's gossip, guys. No, it's not gossip. That would be really bad. And let's, let's say you made it up, so it would be gossip. But let's say it was real. I had 22 wives. And my, you're, you're talking to my wife, and you're like, well, and my wife's like, well, you didn't see Joe, Joe found some silver tablets and he wrote an extra book. And by the way, let me show you, the Bible actually talks about him. And then she takes you to Genesis chapter 50. It says that Joe will be a prophet and, you know, and he'll be named after his dad's, his dad's name will be Richard, right? 
And it's not in any manuscripts, in any Bible, but, 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 but my husband said that God showed him that this was originally in the Bible. It was just taken out. Would you believe that? Well, that's what Mormons are believing. See, Joseph Smith had a, more wives than the other Mormons. He allowed himself more. And he said he saw these golden tablets, right? And he added himself into Genesis chapter 50, verse 3, in the Joseph Smith translation. And that seer will I bless, it says. Verse 33, that is, because there's no verse 33 in Genesis. But he adds it. And that seer will I bless, and his name shall be called Joseph, and it shall be after the name of his father, and he shall be like unto you. So ridiculous. Pray for your Mormon friends. Amen. Okay. Yeah, pray for Joe Witness. Pray for everybody that's outside of Christ. And, and Joseph Smith's translation is really bad because you could just add one word and change. He had one word that's not in the Greek to change everything. And Joseph Smith believed that you earn your way to heaven, the celestial kingdom. You have to tithe for a year straight, you know, to get your temple recommend. Then you go through these things. But it's interesting. Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, By grace you save through faith that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works as anyone should boast. Amen. And listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 4, verse 5. Listen to this. I love this. But to the one who does not work. Now works are evidence of our salvation, right? But they don't save us. We're saved by God's grace, grace through faith. Amen. Works are just fruit. They're just evidence. They don't save us. Paul says in Romans 4, 5, but to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly. It says God justifies the ungodly. Say that with me. God justifies the ungodly. We're not perfect, okay? He justifies the ungodly. His faith is credited as righteousness. Your faith is credited as righteousness. But listen to Joseph Smith's translation. It says in verse, chapter 4, verse 5, God justifieth not the ungodly. Just adds three-letter English word, word not into it. And a little bit later in chapter 4, verse 16, the Bible says, for this reason it is by faith in order that it may be according to his, with, with grace. Yeah, Joseph Smith writes, therefore ye are justified by faith and works. This is from the pit of hell, guys. He was a false prophet. That's why when I see Glenn Beck, and people say, oh, he's a Christian. He, no, he's a Mormon. In fact, I did an article on Good Fight Ministries. He was actually a New Age, he's a New Age Mormon. It's even worse, you know? But Christians are uniting with Mormons right now, Christian conservative talking heads. Oh, we're all one. I'm like, be careful, guys. Be careful. Now, and by the way, it's happened all over. There's all kinds of people claiming to be prophets and apostles by changing the Word of God. You know, the NAR movement, New Apostolic Reformation. You ought to know about this movement. You ought to study it because it's the fastest growing movement in the Christian church right now. And, the, and where it has a zenith where it's the biggest and where it's the biggest revival supposedly on earth is right up in Redding, Northern California. Bill Johnson, where they, have, they claim they have gold dust. They had a gal named Olive. We just did a whole thing on her. We interviewed a woman recently which was really, did a really good book on it along with another guy named Guybet. Uh, and it's just interesting because... Uh, they had a girl named Olive die, and then they spent days waiting for her to resurrect. It never happened. Poor. I was just, in the secular media covered that. It's just a terrible witness. But they have all kinds of false prophecies, and they say, the leader, Bill Johnson, said, well, one of the evidences that you're a true prophet of God is that you make a bunch of false prophecies too. What? You know? And they even got the Passion by the, the I'm sorry, yeah, it's called the uh, Passion Translation which is used by their church. They have their own special Passion Translation. And the guy that did the Passion Translation, which is very popular in parts of the church today, because this is the biggest movement in the church, Passion Translation, the guy says, doesn't know any Hebrew, or he doesn't know, I should say, he doesn't know Hebrew and Greek, okay? And he says, well, the, Jesus came to me and she told me what it's supposed to say. Wow, really? And you know what? They claim to be apostles, like Bill Johnson says, he's an apostle, because they want authority over people in many, many churches. to put, And they're getting new revelations. And you know, in the Bible, it talks about uh, says, now these are the names of the 12 apostles. The Passion Bible changes it. Adds one word. Now these are the names of the first 12 apostles. Because there's 12 apostles. Those are the first 12 apostles. Now we have other apostles just like them. No, there's nobody like the early apostles. Paul was the 13th born out of due time. But he says, have I not seen the Lord? Do I not do the miracles or the signs of an apostle? Right? You had to see the resurrected Christ. So these guys are doing this because they're going to turn you away from God. In fact, they mess with the book of Revelation. They add and take away. 
You know what? I've been, I was, got a book called The Seven Mountain Prophecy. The Seven Mountain Mandate, they, they kind of just throw the book of Revelation aside or reinterpret it to say, no, we don't have to suffer in the grace. We're going to take over the earth for Jesus before he comes back. And one of them, Johnny Enlow, I have his book called The Seven Mountain Mandate. And in that book, you know what he says? He says, the seven mountains are the mountains. Because the Bible mentions seven mountains that Babylon sits on. And the church is going to take those seven mountains from Babylon. And we're going to be sitting on Babylon at the end before Jesus comes back. Woo, you're sitting on Babylon? The Bible doesn't say take the seven mountains from Babylon. The Bible says come out of Babylon, my people. Amen? <laughs> Revelation 18, 4 through 6, right? And if you're sitting on Babylon when the Lord comes back, or just before, those, the, the whore, you're part of the whore. And that's the compromised fake church. And that's who they're identifying with, many of them. You guys need to know the scripture, amen? Verse 19. And if anyone takes away from the words of the prophecy of this pro- uh, the book of this prophecy, so it's not just adding, if you take away, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city, which is written in this book. Your part will be taken out. People do that with the Bible all the time. You guys know who Ian McKellen is? Ian McKellen, popular British actor. He plays Gandalf in Lord of the Rings. Played T-Bing in the Da Vinci Code movie popular English. He, he says this when he goes into a hotel room. This is what he does. He goes, whenever I stay at a hotel, I always check to see if they have a Gideon Bible. And if they do, I tear out a page. I turn to Leviticus 18.22 and rip that page out, which is directed against homosexuals. I think by now I must have ripped out a few hundred because he's a homosexual. So he goes and he doesn't want people to read that. Well, he's going to have to rip out a lot more pages than that, Mr. McKellen. Okay, it's, a lot, it's all over the scripture. But my heart breaks for him because if he is smoking cigarettes, you know, like a chimney, right? And, he, and, he, and every time he gets a pack of cigarettes, he takes off the Surgeon General's warning that it could cause cancer. Is that going to do anything? That's just, it's not going to change the consequences. In fact, if he's doing that and giving cigarettes to people, he would be kind of a, a young guy, getting older. He'd be guilty of, you know, well, guess what? The people that don't read that warning in the Bible, and they, a lot of people that are homosexuals will pick up the Gideon Bible since. Through the years, they'll pick, they go to hotels, they pick up, but they won't see that. They'll say, oh, why is this page missing? So don't add or take away to the word of God. Revelation chapter 22, verse. Wow, can you believe we went all the way through 19? Next week, we go through verses 20 and 21. That's the surprise. We'll be done next Sunday, Lord willing, with the book of Revelation. Can you believe it? Praise the Lord. How many are like, praise God? How many are like, oh, bummer? You know? Are there any oh, bummers here? That, like, I want more of that. You know? There are? Do you guys realize how long we've been in this book? <laughs> praise God. But it doesn't mean we won't still study prophecy in this fellowship. We still will, obviously. Let's all please stand up and pass out the cup and the bread.